In this episode of the Magic Business Podcast, we'll reveal this and more. If you seriously want to put effort into your marketing, it is going to be hard. But if you do it successfully, it is a build that's going to be like a snowball going down a hill. And you will start to see a really, really strong, significant return on your investment over time. Welcome to the Magic Business Podcast. This is where we share insightful and delightful inner secrets about the business of magic. Here is where magic professionals are going to share some of their real life experiences and some of their most guarded secrets to help further your career in the magical arts. I'm your host, Christian Painter, in partnership with the MagicOracle.club, where you can hear all of our magic business podcasts. We have a real treat for you today. We have David Corsaro. Now, he's been a professional magician for 25 years, specializing in close-up and strolling magic in the New York City area. He does about 15 shows a month. He has one of the highest-rated Penguin Lectures, and he is also a member of the prestigious 4F, been so for 13 years. Here's where it really gets interesting. He's also been an executive at two major marketing firms for the past 20 years, and he lectures extensively two magicians about marketing. We're so happy to have him here. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks for having me. I am actually excited to have you because you're a marketing executive. And and I don't mean oh you 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 know did a little bit of marketing for some company. You are an actual marketing executive and you have been for 20 years. So my first question for you right out of the box is how does your what you tell your real clients, you know, your clients at a marketing firm differ from what you tell say magicians about marketing? So it's pretty interesting because one of the lucky things that I've been very lucky at is the marketing firms that I've worked at have had a variety, pretty wide variety of clients. So over the course of these 20 years, I've worked with consumer package good clients. I've worked with financial service clients. I've worked with um, pharmaceutical clients. So each one of those clients has a very unique marketing challenge that they're faced with. Sometimes their primary goal is to acquire new customers. Other times, it's to kind of keep their customers happy and, you know, work on client retention. Other times, they're trying to create new pieces of advertising. Other times, they're trying to create brand new products to put out into the marketplace. So in each case, these clients have come to me with these sort of unique challenges and spent quite a bit of money. And we've worked together and done a lot of research as what it's going to take to be successful in each one of these areas. So what I've been able to do is take each one of those sort of nuggets that I've learned and apply it to different ways that magicians can better help market themselves. Whether it is getting new people to hire you for events, trying to keep your past customers happy so they hire you again and again and again, to maybe, maybe go out into a new market, a place where you haven't necessarily marketed yourself in the past and present yourself as a, an entertainment opportunity. All these different things require sort of a different viewpoint on how to both look at yourself and how to look at the type of marketing that you're doing out there. So it's been pretty lucky for me that the stuff that I've been able to learn and retain from my marketing field is stuff that I could apply to help magicians in their field. What's the low-hanging fruit for magicians that that go, hey, David, how, how do I market better? Because that's really what they're going to come and say. They, I'm sure most of them don't have a very specific goal, do they? No. Well, no, not really. I mean, most of the time, they just want to be able to work more, obviously. And... There's two, th there's two things that I think you have to sort of put into your head right away, which is number one, marketing is hard. 
there's this sort of uh, misconception out there that marketing is super easy. And if you just learn these three little secrets, then all of a sudden the gigs just start pouring in. That's not the case. There is no big red button that says marketing that when you press it, all of a sudden clients start calling you like crazy. Now, unfortunately, there are some people out there who sort of try to sell marketing courses to magicians with this framework that there's just a couple little secrets and that's all you need to learn. That's not the case. If you are a magician and you want to make $100,000 a year doing magic and you want to perform in the coolest venues and you want to perform for the best celebrities, well, guess what? That's hard and it should be. If that was easy, everybody would be doing it. So I think the first thing magicians have to truly understand is if you seriously want to put effort into your marketing, it is going to be hard. It is not something that's going to happen overnight. You're not going to double your gigs in, in a month because you learned one little secret. It's going to be a very slow build over time. But if you do it successfully, it is a build that's going to be a lot, lot like a snowball going down a hill. It's going to gain steam. It's going to gain momentum. And it's going to become bigger and bigger. And you will start to see a really, really strong, significant return on your investment over time. So that's the first thing I think a lot of magicians have to understand when you go into this. Second thing, number second thing is going to be uh, I come from the school of information is power. The more information you have, the better you can make marketing decisions. And when I say information, what I'm talking about is you have to understand everything you can about the clients you've worked with in the past, the territory or area that you want to work in the opportunities that are exist out there for the kind of magic you want to do. If you are somebody who's only done kids shows and you really want to perform at the coolest martini bar in town, understand that if you've been doing kids shows for 10 years, there's going to be a preconceived notion about who you are and what you do. And I'm not saying you can't work that really cool martini bar, but it's going to take a, a change to be able to do that. So the more information and data you have, the better your opportunity is going to be to succeed in the future. Oh, okay, but I have a cool website, so <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, isn't that enough? I mean, yeah, you know, you're on Facebook, and I I saw your feed uh, uh, talking about politics and your favorite place to get a hot dog. But shockingly, that's not going to be what it takes to move the needle for your business. Now, the interesting thing I see is that I'll see magicians get on the social media and then connect with other magicians. And I'm always like, well, I don't understand how you think that's going to help you. So there's there's two problems with that. Number one is a lot of magicians feel like if they can get their numbers up, that that's good. And I always sort of put that with a, a an air of caution, because obviously on social media, the more followers, the more friends you have, the better it is. But if it's not who you're going for, it's a lot of it is just screaming into empty space. If you are somebody, if you're a company and you're selling, you know, pickup trucks, Hallmark Channel might not be the ideal place to market yourself because you're, the people you're talking to are ideally not your target market. Now, if you're on Facebook and you want to get a lot of twi a lot of uh, followers and a lot of friends, that's great. But then marketing yourself on that same platform to those same people isn't going to necessarily be helping you. So you have to really understand that if you're going to promote yourself heavily on social media, you have to be promoting yourself in a way that the people who are looking at your feed are going to respond to. 
So for example, one of the one of the top things I always say is you have to earn your promotion. That's sort of my little tagline here. Earn your promotion. What that means is this. If you post on Facebook four times a day and all four posts are politics or are you complaining about something and you do that four times a day for seven days, that's 28 posts. But if one of them was about your upcoming show, guess what? Nobody's paying attention to it. People have been trained that you are essentially a commercial. And as they're scrolling through their feed, every time they see your name, their mind is thinking, well, I know what this is going to be. It's going to be about politics. It's going to be complaining. It's going to be something I don't care about. So I'm not going to even pay attention. So now, even those people that you are trying to market towards, people who maybe do like your magic, aren't going to pay attention to it if every time they see your name, it's typically not something that's related to what they're interested in. So what I always say is you have to really earn that promotion. What that means is don't just promote your business, but instead give the people looking at you something else of interest. And that doesn't mean politics or it doesn't mean you complaining. Instead, what it means is Give them interesting links. Give them information that they can walk away with and say, you know what? I'm really glad I gave that guy three seconds of my attention because what he provided to me in that post was interesting. Now, if you train them so that once every three to four days, they're going to see your name pop pop up in their feed and it's going to be of something of interest. Now, when you promote your show, they're paying attention. I think that's such a great uh, thing to tell everyone because I see it all the time. People want to kind of get on social media and, and just uh, kind of vomit whatever kind of craziness that they have. And then when it does come time to promote their show, you're kind of like, I, I, are they really listening to you at all at this point? Unfortunately, the, the, the flaw I hear a lot of people say is, well, no, no, no. I keep my personal page different than my business page. Well, congratulations. But at the same time, your personal page is full of friends and family who will recommend you for shows that they hear. And instead, if all they see is you complaining 24-7, then they're not going to want to promote you to their friends and family for your upcoming gigs. It's interesting what you just said, because I, I know of one guy who on his social media, he will actually promote other shows in his town on his social media. So he'll say, hey, there's this great whatever it is over here. And then maybe later, oh, there's this great outdoor concert going on. And then he'll drop in his show occasionally. And I just thought, what a great idea that people are now looking at him as like, oh, what kind of cool stuff's going on in my town? That's a really smart, because again, he's providing something of value to the people looking at his posts. And therefore, when he promotes himself, that's perceived as valuable. So David, right now we're in the middle of a pandemic as we do this podcast. So everyone is kind of at a, if they're not at a full stop, they're just creeping forward. And it would seem like this would be a good time to start working on our, our, our marketing for the future. Problem right now is it's really, it, it doesn't make sense to go out and advertise yourself a ton. Yes, there are people who are thinking to the future. There are clients who are thinking about holiday parties and what they're going to do in 2021, but it's probably not your number one return on investment. So what I say is right now, this is your opportunity to, again, as I said earlier on, collect the data. Knowledge is power. So at this point, what you should be doing is digging through your data as much as possible. Here's what I mean by that. 
Start off by going through as many of your past clients as possible. Hopefully you've kept pretty good records as to who your clients are. Who has hired you in the past? Theaters, restaurants, company parties, uh, uh, you know, family, friend, uh, you know, personal uh, house gatherings, whatever it is, hopefully you've, you've collected a good amount of data on all of those people. And what I do is I have what I call a cheat sheet which is a form that I fill out for every single client who hires me. I talk, and on that form, I fill out things like where was the event, how much did I charge, who did I meet at this event, did I get other shows from that show? So let's say for the sake of argument, I get hired to perform at a wedding, and I would write down where the event was, how much I charged, and then throughout the course of, let's say, the next year, anybody who calls me or emails me and says, hey, I saw you at the Thompson wedding. Well, then I go back to that Thompson file and I write down that I got another gig from their event. The reason why this is important is there's a ton of opportunity to make sure you've kept up strong relationships with all of your past clients. If they like you and they like your magic, which I kind of, I'm kind of hoping that that's the case for everybody who's listening to this podcast. If they like you and they like your magic, they're almost looking for a reason to bring you back. And the more opportunity that you have to connect with them, not often, maybe once a year, and just kind of send them an email, ask how they're doing, um, talk about what some, some stuff that you have going on in the area, that's a great opportunity to keep you top of mind for them so that any future parties they have, they can hire you. So let's say I get hired to perform at a college graduation. And I perform at somebody's house party, it's a college graduation, and while at that college graduation, I meet that person's younger brother, who's 17 years old. Well, guess what? That 17-year-old's going to go to college next year. And in four years, hopefully, that person will graduate from college. And that family will probably have another party. So I'm not saying that you should necessarily stalk this family, but I do think you should make a note to reach back out to them in a year or two and say, just want to check in. How are things going? Hope your son's enjoying college. If you have any events, please don't forget to keep me in mind. Because I guarantee you, I've had so many, I've had so many clients in the past email me back and say, you know what? We just started planning. I'm so glad you reached out. Please keep June 24th available. That's the date of the party. We have no other details. We just know we want you there. And I would not have gotten that, or maybe would not have gotten that repeat gig if I didn't have that information in my back pocket. So the first thing people should do is go back to the past and try to get as much information as possible by the people who've hired you. Second thing you should do is think about the venues you've performed at. So if it's theaters, if it's restaurants, if it's banquet halls where you've been hired to do a Sweet 16 or a bar mitzvah or a christening, think about the venue you've performed at. Now, if you have an opportunity, go back to that venue. So just as I mentioned before, while I have a client cheat sheet, I also have a venue cheat sheet. And that venue, that venue cheat sheet lists things like how many events go on simultaneously, what's the parking situation like, how many people are allowed in each room, who's the different event planners at that venue, the event managers. So this way, if a client calls me up and says, Dave, we're thinking about hiring you, uh, we're having an event in uh, July, it's at the Brownstone in Patterson, New Jersey. Well, I can go to my file, pull out that sheet about the Brownstone Banquet Hall in Patterson, New Jersey, and I can say to them, who are you working with, Keith or Steve? And then they say, um, I'm working with Keith. And you go, great. Keith's a great guy. I've worked with him plenty of times in the past. Uh, are you in the main ballroom or are you in the, uh, the East Coast ballroom? Now, all of a sudden, you're not just 
a magician they're thinking about hiring, but now you're somebody who's worked the venue before, who knows the details, who maybe knows the event planners. Now, all of a sudden, you're not just a magician, but you're rather somebody that they know, you know what, this guy gets where gets my venue. He gets what I'm doing. He's got the experience. And that's going to put you a significant leg up if they start calling around to other magicians. Okay, this is strong stuff. Very good stuff. What can I do to kind of lean forward and make myself seen if I haven't worked a great deal of places? The first things that magicians have to do if they're trying to sort of get that get that run going is you have to understand that you need to get in front of people. You need to expand your networking. It's not just about having a good website or being on social media. It's about getting the decision makers in your area. And by your area, I'm talking about whatever radius you're comfortable driving to to do gigs. You have to get in front of the decision makers. You have to make you have to network with the people who are running these events, who are having these parties, or you have to become friends with people who know a lot of other people. So what I always say is, again, in the time of coronavirus, go out there and get information. Find out about your local chamber of commerce. There's a lot of service organizations in your area, rotary clubs, uh, Lions Clubs, Elks Clubs, there's all these different places that have meetings, that have events, that have fundraisers. Find out who those, what those groups are, who the main contacts are, find out what their schedules look like, and offer up your services. So if it's a fundraiser, if there's going to be a, a town uh, a fundraiser one day, reach out to the people in charge and say that you're a local magician, you support the event, and you would love to be able to donate an hour or two of close-up magic. And when you do that, make sure you shake the right hands, make sure you meet the right people, and get involved. There's a lot of these service organizations that are having Zoom meetings right now. Offer to say, listen, how about I just come on a Zoom meeting one day and do 15 minutes of entertainment for your, your members, just to kind of keep everybody you know, engaged and having a good time, a little 15-minute break you're going to see people who say, you know, you have a lot of people who say yes to that. And now you're at, now you're in front of the people who are involved in the town, who are involved in businesses of the town. And as those people are going out conducting their day-to-day -day lives, they're going to run across opportunities for fundraisers or opportunities for people who are having parties. And they're going to say, you know what? We just, I just got introduced to this guy named Christian. He does a great magic show. Let me put you in touch with him. That is fantastic. And, and I will tell you uh, how, how, how much I agree with you, David, is uh, when Catalina and I first started out, uh, we went to so many uh, organizations and service groups and uh, people who we were and shook hands and, and just met people, developed relationships. And I think magicians have a tendency to want to kind of sit behind a computer and just kind of push out their website thinking that's going to be, that's it, that's the hook, that's the bait. And it, and it really isn't. No, it's not. And you have to understand something else. And this is something that Christian, you and I have talked about quite a bit. You talked about how when you guys were um, pitching your show to hotels, your show was done. You were not going in there saying, okay, if I'm going to get the show, I'm going to get the gig, and then I'll start working on my show and tweaking things. You and Catalina had a show that was rock solid when you were going out. And similarly, your magic has to be rock solid before you start meeting people. Your ability to network and chit chat and create small talk, you have to work on those things before you go out there. People need to like you 
as well as like your magic. Wow, David, that is, uh, I think you have overwhelmed uh, some people <laughs> with some ideas that maybe they will have to get out from behind their computers and actually shake hands and meet people. Right. And in the time of coronavirus, when that's a little bit a little bit less prevalent, there are other things that you can do to continue to build up your network of people or build up your database of who you will network with. You know, I think too many magicians feel like the magic that they do should stand on its own. And the reality is, is that that's not the way the world works. Oh, I hear that all you the know, time, David. I, well, I just have this fantastic show. If they see it, they'll just want to hire me. Right. And you know what? Coke is a great product, but Coke advertises like crazy. And, you know, and they do that because they need to constantly be, remind people who they are and what they do. They, they, they don't rely on just having a great product and putting it in a refrigerator at a 7-Eleven and leaving it there. That's not the way it works. So uh, here we go. Are you ready? Let's, we're getting close to ending this, but I'd like to, I'd like to end with the, something like this, where uh, if I were to walk up to the Magic Oracle and I were to say, what is the one question David really wants me to ask him? What would that be? Sure. The question should be, hey, Dave, how do you help me? Now, I'm saying that the reason why I'm saying that like that is because every single person, I guarantee you this, Christian, every single person in, person listening to this podcast is different. They do different magic in different areas. They have different likes. They have different dislikes. What that means is their marketing goals and objectives should be slightly different. And reality is I can give you all the advice or suggestions in the world, but that's all that's going to do is take you 30, maybe 40% of the way to where you need to be. The rest of it honestly does need to be one-on-one -on -one type consultation because it's going to be different. To me, it's like, it's like making a, a, a big pot of chili. I can give you all the ingredients, but they have to be put it in the right way and, and tweaked just the, just the way that, that best fits your taste buds. Same thing with marketing. So what I always tell, and I will tell everybody who listens to this podcast, if you want, email me at timetobeawesome at gmail.com. Very simple, timetobeawesome, all written out, at gmail.com. And if you want, we will set up a one-on-one -on -one session where I can sit down and for free listen to what your goals and objectives are, and we can talk about creating a marketing plan for you. I've had, a, I've had over the course of the years, I mean, I wrote a column for MUM Magazine for three years about marketing, and I've had people reach out to me and say, can you help me out? And for every one of them, I've started off with a free one hour, I don't charge a thing, and we sort of come up with a plan and come up with what those next steps need to be. Now, if it goes beyond that, then we can start talking about consultating roles and stuff like that. But at the very least, if you've got specific questions, reach out to me, time to be awesome at gmail.com, and let's talk about what it's going to take to put a real marketing plan in place for you. That is amazingly generous. And I don't, and I don't, I, I have to really emphasize this to the listeners. This guy is a marketing executive. He's not just some guy who is a magician who said, oh, by the way, I think I figured out marketing. This is his life, this is what he does. So, wow, definitely take advantage of that. Now, David, you also have a Penguin Lecture that is on fire. I mean, it has got some of the highest ratings that a Penguin Lecture can have. Is that right? Yes, it's got quite a few. It's got 25 plus different ratings. They're all five out of five stars. I feel very lucky that 
the people who have gotten my lecture have, have really taken some value from it. And, and I have seen that lecture and it is very good. Uh, there's you. a couple of pieces in there that, uh, are definitely on my mind to, uh, to do, uh, someday. They are really fun and nice. Uh, David, thanks so much for coming to the show. It's been fantastic. I'm sure we're going to have you back because uh, we've only scratched the surface. would love to come back. Well, thank you, David. Thank you for listening to our Magic Business Podcast. Please visit the MagicalOracle.club where you can hear all of our business podcasts and enjoy a vast array of additional magic knowledge. Until next time, I want to leave you with this quote from Zig Ziglar. You don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. From the Magic Business Podcast, we wish you good luck on all your magic business endeavors. Until next time. Bye.